Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, which you can find on page 978 of your pew Bible. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what we see. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, pour out your Spirit upon us, we pray, to open our minds, to warm our hearts, and to send us out as more loving and obedient followers of your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Most Sunday lunchtimes, I find myself listening to Gardner's Question Time on the radio. You might not think it from the state of my garden. <laughs> Some people clearly walk along Wild Oak Lane. <laughs> but that just goes to show that hearing good advice is not the same as acting upon it. And the same can be true of reading the Bible. Hearing is not the same as responding, as we shall see also in today's parable. But that radio programme comes from a different place each week, as the regular panel are the guests of horticultural societies in various parts of the country. And one question that the panel always asks the local gardeners is this. What is the soil like in your area? Is it light or heavy, acid or alkaline? They all seem to agree there's nothing to beat a good, friable loam, whatever that may be. The type of soil makes such a difference to which crops or flowers will grow well, and to everything else, from the best time to plant the seeds to the amount of watering required. Well, today's parable from Matthew 13, and do keep it open on page 978 in the Pew Bibles. Matthew 13 is all about different types of spiritual soil and how they respond to the seed of God's word. In verses 3 to 8, Jesus tells the parable to a large crowd on the lakeside. It's the story of the farmer who went out to sow his seed, throwing out a handful of seed on one side and then on the other as he walks along, so that it's scattered over a variety of ground with a variety of results over the course of the next days and weeks and months. And then later on in verses 18 to 23, Jesus explains just to his small band of disciples the meaning of the story. Each type of soil illustrating a different spiritual response to his message. Well, the first type of soil is hardly soil at all, it's the path. And in verse 4, Jesus describes what happens to the seed that lands there. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Then to his disciples, in verse 19, Jesus explains, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. That is the seed sown along the path. And that hard, compacted soil of the path is a good picture of hearts that are hardened against Jesus' message. Perhaps some have been worn down, almost trampled down by difficult experiences in life that have led them to doubt that God loves them or has any purpose for them so they just don't want to hear. Perhaps others have hardened their own hearts by getting into the habit of ignoring God's words as they're determined to go their own way. Jesus says that he's speaking about someone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Not so clear from Jesus' words who is responsible for this lack of understanding. Perhaps the one who's spreading the message hasn't made it clear or has failed to relate the message to their hearers. But it could also be that the message about the kingdom 
makes no sense to those who've already decided they don't want God to be king in any way of their lives. This also points out a spiritual dimension to this lack of response. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. But that doesn't exclude their human responsibility. From the story of the Garden of Eden onwards, the Bible sees the forces of evil working alongside human sinfulness rather than overriding human decisions. Whatever is involved in the process of human hearts becoming hardened against God, the result is the same. A rejection of God's word that won't give it any space in a person's thoughts or actions. The next type of soil there in verse 5 looks more promising, well, at least for a time. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Verse 20, Jesus explains who this type of soil represents. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Some people are more open to new experiences than others. If they're looking at a, uh, I know, of something like a menu in a, in a restaurant with food from some other part of the world, they're more likely to say, why not give it a go? Rather than, not sure about that, it isn't what I'm used to. That openness can be just as true of their approach, not just to food items on a menu, but to spiritual matters as well. Christians, we can be too defensive and be almost surprised by a positive response to our perhaps hesitant attempts to explain our faith. As we welcome people whose freshness and enthusiasm may make us feel a bit half-hearted by comparison, we must also be ready to support them when the going gets tough. Jesus speaks about when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. He's particularly thinking about the times when new Christians may find that their faith provokes opposition perhaps from family who are unsupportive, or fellow students or colleagues at work who make them the target of jokes and negative comments, or of course far more serious opposition in other parts of the world or even in some communities in this country. It's particularly hard for a newish Christian if such opposition takes them by surprise because they haven't been taught about the challenges that they can expect to face. So they can be Come alarmed and confused and shrink away from those challenges like the plant in the shallow soil that shrivels up in the strong sunlight. What such a plant lacks is deep roots that can still find moisture to sustain it in dry periods. What all of us as Christians need to develop are deep biblical roots to sustain us in times of spiritual dryness or opposition. So we need to know Jesus' challenge to take up our cross daily, as well as his promise of life in all its fullness. 
We need to know Paul's teaching about how God's power is made perfect in weakness, as well as about our being more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look around the church. I was just looking across at this while we were singing the um, chorus of one of the songs, and I saw this. One of the people I was going to phone was Elijah, just the um, stained glass window nearest the wooden screen in that corner. Elijah there and the, the fire coming down and his moment of great triumph on Mount Carmel over the prophets of Baal. We need to know that story and how God's great power, but also God's power to strengthen him when weeks later he goes through a time of great, well, a really down period of depression and feeling he's all alone in God's service. We know both sides of our experience as God's people. Balance in biblical teaching can save us from being thrown off balance by opposition to our faith or by testing circumstances. So let's take every opportunity we have now to put down those deep biblical roots that we'll need for ourselves or perhaps to support others in the future so that we won't be those like those in the parable who fall away quickly when troubles come. third type of seed is found there in verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Verse 22, Jesus says who this stands for. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns, the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. It's like the soil in my back garden. It's good soil, but it's growing the wrong stuff. So it's unfruitful unless you like convolvulus and ranunculus repens. That's bindweed and buttercups to amateur gardens, gardeners who haven't got the Latin. And uh, the people such soil represents are receptive to God's word, but they're also receptive to many other influences that end up crowding out the message. Jesus highlights in particular the choking potential of the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Worries can choke our faith as we fill our minds with them, leaving little space for us to recall God's help in the past, promises of being with us, little Ability to see our difficulties perhaps in a wider perspective. Then Jesus describes wealth as deceitful because it promises happiness and security, but it doesn't deliver them. Whilst in the process, it lures us away from the deeper and more lasting happiness and security that God offers us. There are many other thorns and thistles around us that can choke the work of God's word in our hearts. Some things, some things may be good in themselves and in their, their proper place. Others may be um, perhaps things that are wrong or unhelpful. But whatever they are, they're things that make great demands on our time or our money or our emotional resources. We each have to think for ourselves what could be the thorns in our own lives that pose the greatest danger to our faith. I think if there's one type of soil in this parable that might be the, the greatest danger here amongst us in Troll Church, it's probably this one. 
And now for the good news, the type of soil in verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. See who Jesus has in view in verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Just as the yield of the seed in this story was greater than any farmer would have expected in those days, Jesus is saying that the person who responds wholeheartedly to God's word will be able to achieve far more for his kingdom than they could have imagined. Jesus makes it clear that for this to happen, people must not only hear his message, but understand it and presumably put it into practice as well. And even more than reflecting the receptivity of the soil, results reflect the power of the seed, the word of God and the spirit working through it. Paul used a similar illustration of seeds and planting when he wrote to the Corinthian Christians who were splitting into cliques, claiming to support different leaders in their church, including Paul and his colleague Apollos. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul wrote this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. That's the message of the parable of the different types of soil which Jesus told to the crowd in verses 1 to 8 of our reading and which he explained to his small group of disciples there in verses 18 to 23. There was a message for the crowd, even though they had to work it out for themselves. After all, in, in verse 9, Jesus says to all of them, whoever has ears, let them hear. Well, I expect all the crowd did have ears. I think everyone here this morning has got ears. Some covered by luxuriant hair, but still got ears. Um, but it's up to us, up to, and it was up to them what they did with what they heard. But that leaves in the middle the rather puzzling verses 11 to 17, which are Jesus' reply to the disciples' question when they're on their own in verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? At first sight, Jesus seems to be saying that he's deliberately speaking in stories with a deeper meaning below the surface that he'll reveal only to his disciples so that they will understand, whilst the rest of the crowd will be left in the dark. Backs this up with a quotation from, 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 a quotation from the prophet Isaiah, who spoke of the rebellious Jewish people of his time as ever hearing but never understanding. However, it isn't always clear when the writers of the Bible are speaking about causes and when they're speaking about results. They don't always draw that distinction. Or in this case, whether Isaiah and then Jesus used parables in order to prevent the people from understanding, or whether that was the result of their using parables was that people didn't understand, perhaps because they were unresponsive to the messenger and to their message. In quoting Isaiah, Jesus seems to be saying that the disciples shouldn't be too surprised if many people don't understand their message or don't respond to it, because people have always been like that all through the history of the Bible. 
That may in fact be the main reason why Jesus told the parable. Not perhaps so much to challenge the people in the crowd about their own response, but to reassure the disciples when they met a negative or mixed response that this didn't reflect on the message that Jesus had given them to pass on. Jesus was telling his disciples that their responsibility was to be faithful sowers, spreading his message to those who would listen and to those who wouldn't. God, who took responsibility for the message, the hearers would be accountable for their response. The disciples were to be messengers, sowers of the word, no more and no less. In that sense, the story is indeed the parable of the sower, as well as the parable of the soils. For us two today, we're responsible for spreading Jesus' message in our words and through our lives. Of course, we want people to respond for their own sake and for God's glory. But in the end, that's not our responsibility. We should always be prepared for some people to reject or ignore what we say and do. We are called to sow prayerfully and to leave the harvest to God. So in a way, which parable or which aspect of the parable do you and I need to hear this week? Parable of the sower or the parable of the soil? You need to hear the parable of the sower to be encouraged to be faithful sowers of God's word, trusting him that he will bring a spiritual harvest in his time and in his way. Or do we need to hear the parable of the soil? Be challenged as to what sort of spiritual soil we may be. To ask God to feed our minds and to soften our hearts so that we are responsive to his word and so produce the fruit of his spirit in our lives. Pause for a moment to think about that before I say a prayer. Lord of the harvest, sow the seed of your word in our hearts and give us grace to respond. Then send us out in the power of your spirit to spread that message by words and deeds to your praise and glory. Amen.